2024 is the year of podcasts, and we want to let you know about a brand new show that is live right now. Join with me to share the good news about the Worthy of Everything podcast. It's just one of the two hosts, Jaja Lasso. Jaja, you've been working on this podcast in the background. Our team has been very excited as we've been preparing for its launch. How does it feel to know that the episodes finally are out there and we're moving forward every single week? It is so exciting and I am just excited to see where God takes it and I have so much hope that it is going to be an incredible blessing to the listeners. Amen, amen. But as I understand it, this is a show tackling the issues of mental health through the lens of the gospel. Can you share just a little bit more about the heart and the intent and who you're really trying to serve through the Worthy of Everything podcast? So I personally was freed from depression and as I've come to understand my freedom from sin and identity in Christ, I start to recognize all these amazing gifts that God has given us. So yeah, just exploring and hearing awesome testimonies about how to walk out true intimacy with a loving father who pursues his kids. Oh man, sounds like a good time. If you want to check out the show, lovereality.org slash podcasts and look for the Worthy of Everything show. The world doesn't think that the gospel can change your life, but we know that it can. And that's why we want you to hear these stories, stories of transformation, stories of freedom, people getting free from sin and healed from sin because of Jesus. This is Death to Life. I'd barely crack up my Bible and give like a message and kids would be like, this is awesome. And yet I was like totally living in sin, bro. I never believed I am pure. It's just so much more fun because I don't believe I'm ever in the flesh now. I'm in the spirit. I'm not trying to be loved. I'm not trying to be pure. I just believe that I am. Yo, welcome to the Death of Life podcast. My name is Richard, and today's interview is with my guy, Brayden. I have not met Brayden in person, but this dude called me a couple months back and it just seemed like his life had been completely changed. And to hear this story is, it's it's beautiful because it's uh, just a, a guy who had gone through some stuff, but then on the other side, like it's been revealed to him how much God loves him. And I love this story. I love Braden. I'm so excited for you guys to listen. Uh, there is some adult themes in it. Uh, be mindful of, of who uh, is listening. But um, I think you'll find a great blessing in this story. So let's just jump into this thing. Love y'all. Appreciate y'all. Man, this is real talk. God is loving on me. Colorful and innocent, that's on me. Got me standing in the light and it's on me. It's a new heart. It's a new beat. It's a new thing. It's a new seed. It's a new thing. It's a new dream. It's a new heart. It's a new beat. Hey, got me singing like so where did you grow up? Uh, Columbus, Columbus, Ohio, man. Um, started, dude, I was like always at church, man. Always. My parents were always like super involved uh, wherever mm-hmm. we were. Um, some of the bigger churches in Ohio. And so I always was like behind the scenes, got to see how everything, you know, happened and always loved being at church. Like, had a real sensitive heart towards God and um, loved being at church too. So it was like, I don't know, it was just that was kind of how I was raised. You Why'd know? you love being there so much? Like, what was it about being at church that you're just like, oh yeah, this is this is good? Um, dude, I remember just even being real young, having like real intimate moments with God, just like having that like uh like desire for Him. And then as I got a little bit older, it was like all my friends were there. So I wanted to be there kind of thing. And then as I got a little bit older, I started serving and doing stuff in church. And like, I uh, I loved being the center of attention, man, <laughs> just having all the eyes. That was great. And uh, I felt like I was pretty good at what I did. So it was um, mutually beneficial. <laughs> how, how were you the center of attention? What did you do? Um, just as far as like wanting to either be up on stage or wanting to have the mic or wanting that kind of stuff. It was like, I think I went through and I don't know, like I grew up non-denominational. So like we would 
get our flesh out of the way to get into the spirit. Hmm. If that makes sense. No. Okay. So like, help uh, me with that. Cause I'm, I'm not, not, I'm what this, is this kind of a language that they use? Like get the flesh out of the way. What does um, that mean? Yeah. So if, you're, if you're like, it's like worship's going on and everyone's feeling it. It's like, all right, guys, stir yourselves up, you know? And like, it, we'd have like these awesome times and stuff. And then as you withdraw from that moment, like you kind of just go home and just kind of how it is. You know what I mean? So it was like church was always a place where I felt connected to God. And then not really something that I could not, not take home with me. Cause it wasn't like I'm out here like partying, you know what I mean? Like going like crazy the other way, but it just wasn't like, when we get later into the podcast, this will be where we're going. But this, it wasn't who I am, hmm. if that makes sense. You were kind of trying to put it on. Uh, put it on and get the flesh out of the way. You know, do the best you can. Um, you're always going to stumble, that kind so of stuff. So are you a musician? Like what puts you? What would put you up front? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I played piano. Um, went to a couple of different churches and um, started a youth group when I was like 17. And it got like pretty big. <laughs> it got was like, I think there were like 30 people, 40 people going to the church. And then at one time we had like 50 or 60 kids like at our youth group that were like, just came out of nowhere. And so I'm sitting there like, yeah, what's up? Look at me. And so we're like playing piano and doing worship and stuff. And I'd go and give a message. And I mean, I don't know. I'd barely crack up my Bible and then give like a message and kids would be like, this is awesome. So like I drew all my identity off of when God would use me mm. for something. Yeah. And when I wasn't being used by him, there was not much validation that I reciprocated this love or this, this love that he had for me. So it was like, I needed to be in the spotlight to be seen. I think, I think we get weird with youth groups sometimes. Um, because like, believe me, community is awesome. And this thing is not meant to be done alone. Like you're supposed to get stirred up by gathering together and encouraging each other and all of that. But that isn't the community. Isn't the answer. It's a bunch of people mm -hmm. gathering together because we have an answer. And too much yeah. of the time I've seen that the youth group is positioned as the answer. It, they would never come out and say it, but everything's like, oh, come to the youth group. The youth group is the thing. And it's kind of like everyone's sitting around talking about how great they are at this youth group and that this youth group and it's the youth group. And oh, and the youth, oh, if you need something, just go to the youth group. It's never like, yeah. oh, like Jesus is with you. He's inside of you. It's the youth group will have the answers. And I'm sure nobody would mean to do this. Um, but that's how it's come across to me. Um, what was your experience with that? Like, this was your thing, this youth group that you had started. What was your experience with it? Um, so I, we, we, I grew up at a church and that my parents were kind of going off to do some of their, their own things. And so they were going around to different churches. That was one of the churches that we went to where my dad was helping out. And then I noticed there was a youth group. So I asked him like, can I start a youth group with you guys? And they're like, yeah. Um, dude, I don't really know why, <laughs> like other than just like, like, well, there's not a youth group here. I can probably start one. And then like, I, like I said, we were just good at what mm -hmm. we did. So like we did music and then we were good at getting people there and stuff. So like, I, I obviously like to get people to like know who God is, but as far as like, you had to be at the youth group. Right. <laughs> it's probably not. I don't know. I don't know, man. <laughs> so you're 17. Um, what did you want to do for your life? Like, what was your plan moving forward? Like, you knew God was going to be a part of your life. Did you have any, like, mm -hmm. how are you thinking about the future? Uh, dude, I didn't think about the future very much, man. That wasn't. Like, even now, bro, like, I, I deliver donuts to grocery stores for a living. You know what I mean? That wasn't like, <laughs> I'm not like, oh, man, I'm like super passionate about doing this, that, and that. And that's why it's hilarious because Savannah is like so like motivated or has things that she wants to do. And I'm just like, if I can make enough money selling donuts at the grocery uh -huh. store, 
and that's awesome. <laughs> and that's, that was really all I cared about. So not just that, but I mean, as far as like, I never was really career oriented. I didn't necessarily want to be like some youth pastor or something. Cause like, I, I want, I wanted the attention from being at church, but I didn't want the responsibility huh. of it. So like, <laughs> I, and I didn't want to be like attached to it for like a permanent thing. So it was like, yeah, I'll come in here. We can do this thing. And then, you know, when I get what I need, no, just joking. <laughs> but, um, that was, we went from there and then we went to another place and started a youth group there. And I mean, same thing. It went from like 20 kids to like, we were at somebody's house and we had like 80 kids on a driveway worshiping and stuff. And me and Savannah were leading worship just like totally living in sin, bro. And like giving these messages and kids are coming down front and it's like, Oh, this is so awesome, man. And yet I was like really broken. <laughs> so well, that was where don't, I was. Don't get too far ahead. What, at what point, what point oh, yeah. do you meet Savannah? Uh, I was probably 17. She was about 15. We were at our old church and I was leaving to go to that other youth group place, that uh-huh. other church. And uh, that's when I was like, hey, you want to come play piano over here with us? And she was like, oh, yeah. So then we just started talking after that. And I mean, I, I kind of knew I was like, man, I kind of like her. <laughs> and so it was just that was just kind of how it went. So you're 17, she's 15 and you guys like pretty much hit it off right away. Yeah, man, I was pretty cool with talking to girls. That was never like a real big, like nervous thing for me. But dude, I was so nervous talking to her like all the time. And I was just like, dang, dude, this is it. <laughs> so, <laughs> were, uh, were you the cool guy? Dude, I'm not the self-proclaimed cool guy. You, you might no, no, think no. that. No, no, no. We're talking about old Brayden. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was the cool dude, bro. Skinny jeans, t-shirt with the V-neck and the necklace. And, uh, that was what I, I liked. (laughs) And so you kind of had this reputation as the cool guy, but you were also the Jesus cool guy. Like you're cool and it's cool to love Jesus. Was that kind of your thing? That was it, my dude. (laughs) That was it. And so the dudes that I grew up with were all super cool and stuff. So it was like, I just kind of fit the mold that all of the other dudes were. Cause I mean, they were all like super cool, super fun, all of God, that kind of thing. So then I'm like branching off doing my own thing now. Like, what's up? It's time for Braden. He's arrived. Let's go. So mercy. Um, but you felt pretty confident in who you were. Uh, relationship wise with God, no, just like who you were as a person Were you just like, I'm oh, a confident yeah, guy. Yeah. I, was, I was cool with it. Yeah. So talk to me about this, uh, this relationship with Savannah, I mean, when did it become like, a, yeah, like we're, we're pretty serious about each other. How long did that take? Um, you know, I'm not really sure. We probably did the youth group thing for about a year. And then I started like really talking to her a lot and hanging out. And I think I took her to like prom or something at her high school and that kind of thing. And, uh, I was probably, 18 she was 16 and then we were just still just talking so yeah i mean probably about a year after that you were crazy about her were you like feeling like yo am am i in love like am i in love with this girl am i falling in love like how much did you think about that i mean dude i was 18 bro so i mean (laughs) like whatever your whatever love you can experience at 18 like that's what it was so you can (laughs) I feel like yeah. and it's and it's raw, like raw as in just like it's all emotion and it's just like, oh, it's so real for you. Like it's it's a dangerous time. I feel like you can <laughs> yeah. get your heart destroyed. It, it, it you can get your heart destroyed at that age because you're yeah. all in. I mean, I was pretty like I was pretty all in. Like I liked her. I thought she was awesome. I loved all the stuff that she did. Uh, I love that we both played piano and stuff. And I was just like, man, this is, this is just cool. And this works. So what did your, uh, what did your family think? Uh, <laughs> they didn't like the age difference at first. And so we felt like we had to kind of keep quiet and stuff. And so we were just like more isolated, kept to ourselves more, but yeah, I mean, it was, 
that was kind of about it. Mm. So how long did it take till, okay, now you're, you've been hanging out for a year, you've been doing the youth group thing. When did it get like, okay, like heading down the road of, yeah, we're, we're going to make this thing official, like, or we're, we're seriously thinking about getting married. Um, getting married. So I would have been 19, almost 20 and she would have been 17. And then we were talking about it. So you're from the church culture. You're from the youth group culture and the church Mm -hmm. culture, youth group culture is also got like this purity culture going on. And and, I mean, if you listen to Savannah's podcast, you'll, you'll hear a lot about this, but I kind of want to get it from your perspective because I think one of the things that killed me in my life was that I really believed it was my job to do everything the right way. And I put a bunch of pressure on myself to do it the right way. And then when I didn't do it the right way, I felt like it was all on me. And the guilt, condemnation, and shame was heavy. And uh, I, I mean, it, it was kind of a purity culture where I'm from, but I'm not sure as as much as a non-denomination. I'm, I'm imagining the purity culture is, is a little bit no, more it's, from where you're from. It's, it's pretty, it's pretty like, like where I came from, they actually courted, <laughs> like they oh, didn't wow. even really date. Um, yeah. So Savannah and I didn't do that. We just like, her parents didn't care about that. They weren't like from the church mm-hmm. that I went to and um, my parents didn't really care. They were just like, whatever. Um, so we're like out there dating and, being alone with each other and stuff. And like, just like, you don't intentionally think, Oh, well, we're going to like cross lines, but then like one thing leads to another. And then you're like, what the heck? Then it's like, you cross this line. That's like, well, it's like, it's over. Like we've gone this far and then we feel helpless. Cause we felt like we had to stay quiet anyways, just about the relationship. So it was like, well, there's just like this trapped of like being guilted and shamed constantly, but then also going back to continue to cross lines until we eventually were like having sex and stuff. How, uh, how did you handle that? How did you deal with that? Well, uh, dude, I was really broken, but I was good at putting on mm-hmm. a face. Um, cause I was still enduring all this time, like speaking and playing music and stuff and like just, totally ripped up on the inside, man. But so that caused a lot of, I think on my part, um, a lot of misplaced bitterness towards the church. Cause I started getting this like idea that like the church only wants you for what they can get out of you. And so I started getting like really bitter, bitter and cynical towards like church, not God, but church. And, uh, so like, we're just like out there being used and then, just like broken inside so it was just like this really gross time in my life were you angry at yourself as well or like were you able to put that guilt to side to the side or something um i was yeah pretty like like even like it sucks having this story man i wish i could be like oh man like yeah we did everything right and it was just like so this like you don't imagine like oh yeah you're gonna have this story but yeah like i felt terrible it was like this is my fault. This isn't Savannah's fault. I feel like I'm the one more initiating Mm -hmm. and she's Mm -hmm. like just being in a relationship with me. So it was like, I, I, yeah, I mean, that was hard to deal with. Did you feel like there was no way that you could control yourself? Uh, probably. Yeah. I for sure. Like, I owned whatever mistake I made as like, I was that mistake. Like, this is, Mm. this is me. This is who I am. I can't control myself. I don't know that I would have voiced it that way, but I wouldn't have said the opposite either. I think I would have just been more like neutral on the inside. Like, well, you know, I'm not like really bad, but I'm also not like, you know, I'm not what, you know, God sees kind of thing. That's probably how I would have like tried to gray myself out, I guess. What did this do to the relationship? Did it strengthen it? Did it tear it up? Like what did it do? 
Bro, we fought constantly, man. I mean, just all the time, just like yelling, screaming. While you were dating. Not her. Yeah. I mean, just like just being crazy. And it was like she would just sit there and be quiet. And then I would say a whole bunch of stupid stuff. And then she would like at the end, that's when she would start talking. (laughs) So now I've got like a laundry list of stupid things I've said. And then now she feels like rebuttaling and I'm like, dang it. Like she's using everything I just said against me. And now it's not even about the argument. So the argument would go for another three or four hours. Um, yeah, dude, it was, it was heavy. When Natalie and I used to fight, what I hated the most is now we're not fighting about the thing we were fighting about. We're now fighting about the fight and we can't even, <laughs> yeah. but we can't get out of it. Like we're yeah. like, and I'm, and I know that this is what's going on. I'm like, but I don't know how to do it. I don't know how to get out of it because we're stuck. Like I have to yeah. apologize for this certain thing I said in the fight so that we can get over that certain thing so that we can actually deal yeah. with the thing. And I got to hold my tongue long enough to not say something else stupid. And if she doesn't forgive me, it's over, bro. <laughs> I'm going back in. <laughs> okay. So before you guys were, were intimate was, was uh were the fights less or did did the your you you being wrecked made it yeah worse? they definitely got worse. Why, why do you think it did i mean i would just imagine that all of the all of the stuff we're opening our hearts up to and like all of the things that we were doing that we knew we shouldn't be doing like it eventually had to get out some way so it must have been that way if that makes sense like just going and yelling Man, I, I feel like so much of fighting is this thing where each person is trying to convince the other person that they're a good person. Yeah, I mean, like, I didn't mean to do that. Like, that's yeah. not like, you know me, like, I'm not, or I wasn't trying to do that. Um, and you're just constantly defending yourself and saying, no, believe me, I'm a good person. And both of you are going, believe me, believe me. And you can't hear anybody because you're just defending yourself. You're so concerned with yourself. Yeah. You can't see the other person to even deal with the, even the issue. Yeah. Because you're defending your character. You're just trying to justify yourself to them. And then hopefully they don't see you as the reason the argument started and then it just goes back and forth until somebody gives, I guess, but we got to come back to the arguing though. Cause that eventually has a great story at the end of it <laughs> later, I guess. Okay. Yeah, for sure. So as it moves on, um, like how did this affect you and her, like you and her future in your mind? Like you're so, going through all this stuff and your parents are not happy about it. Her parents are not happy about it. And this seems like a heavy time. Yeah, man. I mean, it, it for real was. It It felt really dark. Um, I've said, like, it sucks because I never questioned God in any of this time. Like, I didn't have these like, oh, you know, I wonder if God's real. I wonder if he loves me, that kind of stuff. It was like I knew he was there, but I couldn't talk to him. I felt so, like, away from mm. him. And it was like, that was the worst thing that was, I mean, cause I like, I believed in God. I had like these moments where it was just like in my life where it's like, I just, I just know him. I love him. Yet everything that I was doing was just taking me off of who I am so much that like I couldn't see him. And I, it was, it was terrible cause I felt like I couldn't talk to him. I felt like I couldn't approach him. I hardly prayed. I just, I felt grayed out, man. Grayed out. So what happened next, man? What? So that kind of fast forwards. We that was pretty much like that. That was the state we were in, was just yelling, arguments, back and forth, and um, like we have times that were good. It wasn't like we didn't have good times, but um, we get married and we're living together. And I think the next big jump, like in my journey, was like I posted a video on Facebook and was kind of like on the outsides of like church and stuff. And I post a video on Facebook called silent Christians and dude, it's like super whack, bro. 
How, how long is the video? Uh, it's probably like five or six minutes, but um, let's see. But I mean, I just was like on a rant, and I was just. I want to hear about it, man. What was the rant? I need to know about. Just this like, just Christians need to be this and need to be that, and just like barking and. But like, it struck a chord with a lot of people. <laughs> like, it came at a time that I think Christians felt frustrated. Um, are you looking it up, bro? I can. I'm trying to do right now, dude. <laughs> so it just, yeah, it just like it struck a chord with people, man, and and it went like pretty viral. Like during this whole time, still like would still like Savannah was doing videos and she's talking about God on YouTube and stuff. And I never really wanted to do that kind of thing. Like that was her thing. And, um, so she's posting for a long time, like really working on her YouTube channel. Obviously we've got these problems and stuff. We're fighting whatever, but like, that's how everybody is. Right. So like, we got to do the best we can to talk about God. Right. <laughs> so, um, so I decide like I'm gonna I'm gonna try my hand at this and I post that video and Savannah edits it for me. And um like I said, it started going viral and I was just like, This is it, man, like this is my chance. I'm gonna like use my followers and like attack the church and people will start listening to me about things that I think are wrong. And just like that was I guess probably what I was thinking. And um <laughs> just so funny attack man. the church what were you gonna attack what were you gonna say to the church just whatever little thing that i would have find to complain about now we've got a platform to do it and there's probably other people that would agree so it's like i'm like finding who i am now and just like not not really um but yeah that was probably where i was thinking wow so when you say viral like so what does that mean how much how many people were looking at this video um when it first posted, I think it got up to like three or 400,000 views. And then mercy. And then like months later, it hit a million. And then months later after that, another Facebook page picked it up and it got like 8 million views. So I was like, I mean, they, not my video, they copied my video and then posted it on their page. And I was like, well, that's cool. But I didn't care because like my face was still out there. <laughs> so <laughs> it was like, yeah. And then go and search their comments and see what every person's saying, because that really meant a lot to me. So this kind of gave you just some energy or just kind of spoke to your value or that you were important. Would, is that what this was doing for you? 100%. Yeah. I mean, it was like, this is the thing that I'm good at. It's how God uses me. So I got to be doing it that way. You know, I can experience his love while I'm doing it. And so you're still struggling in the marriage. Um, what are the fight, like the fights before are the fights different now? Like what were you fighting about before? And now you're married. What are you fighting about now? Same things and just anything. And I couldn't tell you how one of them started, but I mean, they all were the same essentially. Just hurt feelings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How long, what, what year did you get married? Uh, 2014. <laughs> I didn't think about that. 2014. Dude. And you were 20, you were 19 years old. I, I was. Oh, 20. okay. Totally normal. Okay. Totally normal. Yeah. Yeah. How, how long did that viral video last in speaking to you about who you were? Um, so it'd probably been like five or six months after it was posted. And, um, I remember I was on YouTube and I saw a video of, uh, Dan Muller on a Q and a with like four other dudes on a panel and, um, just like scrolling through Christian videos. And I see this video and I clicked on it. The title must've been interesting or something. And I heard Dan Muller talk for maybe like two minutes in like a five minute video. And I was sitting there and I was just like, that guy's saying something I've never heard before. <laughs> like I've never heard that. Like he was just, it, it sounded like he was talking about like some sort of freedom or like whatever he was saying sounded alive and it hit me. And so I kind of got really obsessed. Like, Oh man, I got to find out who this guy is. And so it, it took me a while to figure out who he was. Cause at that time, I don't think he had a whole bunch of stuff on YouTube. I mean, it wasn't like if you go on there and type Dan Miller now, it's like, you can find whatever, but, um, I eventually started finding his stuff and I was watching and I was just like, Oh my gosh, like 
this is so crazy. And he, he had, he talked about a lot of stuff about value and all those things. And like, I don't know exactly when it happened, but like at one point I just realized I was like, Oh my gosh. And everything that he would talk about, it's like, that's what I want. I want what he's talking about in that life and all those things. So, um, I, yeah, I mean, that was just like one thing that like, I would say breakthroughs. I had lots of breakthroughs mm-hmm. over this time. And one of them was, I didn't necessarily find my identity now and like being seen by people mm-hmm. in that way. Cause that like that, I, <laughs> I didn't have the need to post another video. It wasn't like I need to go after this right. thing now. And then when I thought about it, I was just like, Oh my gosh, I feel like, I feel content. I feel whole. I didn't feel that need to go and be seen by people to experience his love. Cause just the sonship stuff that he was mm-hmm. talking about. Um, and then I'd see the stuff that he was going to do, like praying for people and like all those things. And I was like, all right, I gotta, I gotta go do all that. And, um, so I just started trying really hard at that time. Just to pray for the sick or what was the main thing that you just, were just to, Anything that I saw him doing in his life, it was like, that's what I got to do. And so, I mean, it was like, at one point, I don't think Dan Muller had a phone. And I'm like, well, I I need to get a flip phone. And that wasn't the only reason. But there were just like things I was like, oh, man, I got to do this. And I got to do that. I got to try. And um, I would still get burnt out. And I was like, this, why why am I still getting burnt out? Like, I'm talking this way. Why, why isn't, why am I seeing what he's talking about? You know what I mean? Okay, I wanted to take a little break to tell you that I don't like Facebook, but I'm on there. And I'm on there because we have the love, reality, gospel community on there. And that is just a group of almost 3,000 people who, uh, and growing, who have received this truth and are growing in it. And like I said, I don't go on Facebook, but if I'm there, I'm in that love, reality group. And uh, there's so much life. There's so much good stuff. Um, so if you're vibing with us and you want to be a part, uh, go to Facebook and look up Love Reality Gospel Community and, and and join. And then we can kick it. That's all. So the thing that struck you the most about what Dan Muller was preaching was identity. Right or sonship yeah, is that? Yeah. Would you say that's accurate? And so you're trying to put that on. So much so far as that you get a flip phone because you're not really pleased with what you've been looking at. You've you kind of want to change your life. Why wasn't this? You're you, well. You're describing. You're saying, but it wasn't. Wasn't you weren't experiencing freedom. So why do you think that that's happened? So the freedom in the flip phone and like I so I in Savannah she's. I told you guys that like I I came to her and told her like I was having you know this problem and whatever and so it was like I just felt like crap dude I mean I was like man like why in the world and um so like a a good while went by then it happened again went to Savannah then it happened again and so it just kept reinforcing like well I'm never going to be free from this Mm. I'm going to have to figure out how to manage it right Cause, um, this is, I wouldn't say this is who I am. Like I wouldn't identify as like, oh yeah, this is me, but I sure didn't identify as pure. Right. And so I continued to like think, well, since it keeps coming back, I mean, it's, I don't know that I put the words to this, but in my mind, I'm thinking it's, it's a part of me. I remember growing up and it's like, you hear the older guys be like, look, man, it never goes away. You know, it, the older you get, it doesn't matter. You got to figure out how to, you know, kill the beast. You got two wolves inside of you, whichever one, the ones you feed, you know, that kind of thing. And so those are the things that I've always been told. And it's like, well, like I hear other people talk about freedom and I'm like, well, that's great, but I'm not seeing that. And so, um, I never had the confidence to like boast that I was free. Even I would go a long period of time without making that mistake. And, uh, everything that I did to try and manage the beast or whatever you want to call it, those almost became ways to remind me that 
well, you're not really free because if you didn't have these things, you'd probably be going to do this. Or, you know, you've still tried to find ways to make this happen even without your smartphone and like, so that kind of thing. That's, that's very interesting that you bring it up like that because like, even if you're being successful, still didn't believe I was free, man, because trying to base my performance on how long I could go. And so that's where I would put my identity and it kept tripping me up because I was like, like, how long do I have to go till I'm free, man? <laughs> like, what is it I have to do? Why isn't it going away? And um, the thing that was leading me was like the self-work thing, like that I can, well, I can do it in my own strength if I do all these things. And yet, like, well, I'd still get tripped up. And so that's why I was like, man, like, how am I going to ever tell people I'm free? Like, if someone asks me, like, what, what should I do to, like, stop doing this? I'm going to basically have to tell them, get rid of your TV and have a flip phone. <laughs> that doesn't sound like freedom. <laughs> so that's, um, but that's what we believed mm -hmm. because of the literature, because of whatever, but it's taught us to believe like, this is what you're going to have to do. And then it'll get easier, but you can't, it never goes like, away. but this is who you are. Yeah. Because you're a man, and so you're positioned as sin waiting to happen. <laughs> I really want to get to the life part, man. I've got so much that I want to say, but I'm cool with. Oh, like, we'll get to. We'll I'm get cool to with staying in the death for a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's good because it's like these these lies have just kept men from seeing who we really are, man. Like we're not that thing waiting to happen. So then, what? I mean. Take me to, to what happened next, man. What was... Uh... Um, so, like I said, I had lots of breakthroughs. The identity of, like, um, I'm a son. I believe that I'm a son. I don't have to be seen by everybody. Like, dude, I really hid myself, bro. Like, zero social media. Um, didn't want to be, like, out there for people to see because I was like, what if I find my identity in it again? And what if I, like, <laughs> just this stupid stuff? Um so I really hid myself. Um, and then uh, the arguing thing, that was also about three or four years ago. Um, and one of the things Dan Mullard said was about it takes two to tango and one to make peace. And like when, I, when he said that, it was like, oh, my gosh, like what in the world? I'm like, I always allow myself to like be the one that initiates this or keep going. I'm like, if I just like stop or I like figure out how to stop doing this. Now I think there's a better way to go about this, but like the way that I went about that, it was pretty like, like if, if I started a sense that we were going to get into an argument, man, it was weird because I would say something stupid and then be like, oh, wait, I'm sorry. That's not what I'm trying to do. But like <laughs> I was fighting it so hard. So there was like a four to six month process where like, we would start bickering or something and then I'd say something stupid and then immediately retreat. I'm so sorry. That's not, <laughs> then, then it just kind of like, it just kind of stopped, man. Like we stopped having these like ridiculous arguments where we're like screaming at each other for four hours <laughs> about God knows what. But, um, I would say in the last like two or three years, bro, we probably had like five or six like arguments and they probably lasted 10 to 15 minutes. If that, so it's like, that was an awesome breakthrough. Cause I used to think like, this is never going to stop. Um, so, so you keep going, I mean, you keep telling me the story, man. You're, yeah. you're hearing this guy. Yeah. So that stuff was all making sense all except for the, I, of the like freedom part, everything else starting to click. Um, I'm cool with like starting to talk that way and everything because like, dude, I'm like, I'm strides better, man. I'm not arguing, you know, I'm not having these identity problems where I'm trying to, you know, be seen by people to find who I am. Um, other than the freedom thing, which, like I said, I was managing pretty well, yet I still would find a way to make a mistake. And, um, then I'd have to wait a long time, condemn myself properly <laughs> before I could come back to God and all that stuff. Um, but yeah, and like, that's just like, that's, I don't want to say that's exactly where I've been, but it, it kind of is where I've been for the last three to four years. And so it's like, 
why why did it have to take that long and i think i got some answers man but so why why did it have to take that long um so two and a half months ago um savannah was listening to hui he was talking about his testimony and stuff and like some of the stuff he was saying about like the way he believed he would live up to what it was that he believed like i think he said something about a bodybuilder a bodybuilder yeah, there was something that he was saying, like, if I believe that I'm this, then I will act in that way type thing. And then he uh-huh. was saying, like, at the end of his testimony about how, like, it's when he came to God, he realized it's who he always was. There was something of that wording. And I was hearing Savannah. I was hearing that while she was listening to it. And, like, it really gripped my heart because I was like, it's who he always was. And then it just got me thinking about, like, who am I kind of thing. And that was about two and a half months ago that I heard that. And then it was like, I just, that was literally all I thought about for like a couple of weeks was just like, who am I? And, um, let me ask you this question before this epiphany comes to you while you're listening to this podcast, you considered yourself free. Like I've, I've seen you in the background for, I don't know how long it's been since I actually have spoke like spoke with Savannah or have seen you, but it feels like it's been longer than two months. I'm not no, sure. No, for sure. I consider myself free, but there was never that confidence to boast in my freedom. Cause it was like, well, at any time I could just make that mistake. And so like, I didn't feel like, Oh man, like I am so free. I'm so brand new. There was like, I just didn't. And I'd been, in this state for four years. So it's like, well, I don't know how it gets better than this. Like I've done a really good job. I can manage this thing really well, but like, just tell somebody that I'm free. I was hesitant. And it was like, I I don't really know that I'm free. (laughs) So bro, that's interesting that you use the word boast. And that's because like we, because before you were in the way you were thinking about this is how you were doing. Mm Mm-hmm you weren't thinking about what he has done to you and for you. 100%. So when Paul says we can't even boast of ourselves because the reason we have confidence is like the reason you and I have confidence in what we're talking about and what we believe in isn't that we have confidence in old Braden and old Richard or it's that we have confidence in that what Jesus says, what he did like all of it's true. All of it actually happened. Yeah. And so our confidence is not in our ability to keep from sinning. Exactly. Our confidence is in his ability to keep us from sinning. And that was Yeah. That was exactly where it was like I I always based my ability off of how good I could do. And so I didn't I never believed I am pure. And like I said all the things that I did just reminded me that I didn't actually believe I was pure because it was like, take those things away, man. Like, you know, you know how you are, that kind of stuff. And so it was like, well, like, I guess I'm just going to live like this for a long time <laughs> until until I can finally go five years and then I can start telling people, you know what I mean? Um, so that's why I say like there, this, like me just being like so confident, like, yeah, dude, I'm free. It just like as far as that goes other things. Yeah. Like I'm free. I'm that, but like this one thing, bro, that one foothold, <laughs> dude, that one thing. And it's like, nah, dude, it's, it's hit so different now, <laughs> bro. When you said like, I don't have to go five years. That's the way I used to think about this. Yeah, I'm no. like, God's <laughs> going to give me victory and I'll be living in victory for so long that I'll be able to help other people because yeah what he would have done but it but it never got there it yeah. would never it would get to like half a year and then something you know I would slip up and I'm like well I guess I'll just be doing this for the rest of my life or at That's, least until it gets to the 5 years yeah <laughs> that that is just what it was and it was like I, I didn't feel like I could tell people I was free and so it just also kept me feeling like well since I can't tell people I'm free what am I really I wasn't free and that's why I couldn't tell people. So, cause I didn't believe that I was free. And so when you hear this thing that Hui is saying, there's something that clicks into place. Yeah, man. It just like, 
it just hit me because like I said, for probably four weeks, I was, I just thought about that walking around the house real quiet, just thinking like, like, who am I? And then like, I just started, I am pure. Like, and I don't know, like, cause I, I was praying a lot and like communing with God and stuff. And it was just like, I read all these things, like we're holy, blameless and you know, the righteousness of God and we're above, like all these things. And I'm like, do I like believe that? Do I really believe that I am pure, that I just am? And um, so then at that time, probably about six, seven weeks ago, I just start walking around the house and just thanking God, God, I thank you that I am pure and you just see me that way. And you love me so much because, you know, you paid for me to literally be this way. And um, so I just let that start crockpotting, bro, for like <laughs> two, two or three weeks. I'm just like thanking God, God, I thank you that I am holy and that it's not a matter of me. It's not a matter of my holiness. It's the fact that he says for me to be holy. So if I'm, if I have the ability to be holy, I must be able to be holy. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I guess I am holy. So like, I thank you, God, that you see me as holy and that when I go and pray with you and I see this thing as what I would consider to be holy, um, when I withdraw from that moment, I don't stop being holy. I just expressed what you put on the inside of me in that moment. And so that like, he just started like switching like the way that I was seeing and doing a lot of things. Cause I, I, like I said, dude, for four years, I've tried really hard and then there's like burnout and then I try and I try and then there's burnout. And it's like the crescendo to this dude is like four weeks ago. I'm on my truck at work. And I'm just like praying and God gave me like this example with like two cups and um, I'm like just cracking up laughing, preaching. And then like I have my hands in the air and I'm like, you were not the old cup. And like, so this whole thing God like put on me was like, I've taken a lot of the old identities from the old heart that was taken from us when we accept him and I've applied them to my new heart. And so I watch like me trying and me doing all of these things and trying to be pure, trying to be holy and trying to be righteous. And since I never believed that I was those things, the spirit, and when I say broke the old wineskins, because I had the beliefs that I still was the old thing when I'm the new thing. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Um, so I just like started like, nah, I'm not that old thing. Like I am pure. I am holy before God. I am his righteousness. I'm so I started like receiving those things. Not like, not like <laughs> if you're hearing this, don't be sitting there going, I am pure. I am pure. I am pure. I am pure. That's not, <laughs> it's not like we're trying to like trick our brains into like the psychology thing. But at the same time, like the liar has told us who we are our whole entire life. Mm-hmm. And we're to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And I'm like, then I'm just going to start accepting that these are the things that I am because I am these things. And mm. he sees me as these things completely has nothing to do with my performance, my ability, what I'm able to do. I just am these things. When he put his new heart in me, I now get to see myself because as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So I feel like what God's trying to say is like, look, the way you used to see yourself in that old heart, that's gone. I'm putting a new heart in you so you can see yourself differently because that old way is going to keep you from seeing me correctly because the pure in heart are the ones that see God. So I'm like, I'm just going to believe that this is who I am. And then I'm sitting on the couch after a couple of weeks of this crock pot and, and we're watching TV and I'm like, I got to go pray. <laughs> like I felt him like drawing on me to go spend time with him rather than before it was like, this like, Oh, well, I, I know I have to do this thing because I know he's, you know, it's what I'm supposed to do. But now I'm like believing differently and I'm feeling him drawing and tug on my heart or like wake me up at earlier in the mornings on my days off to go out on the couch and pray. And I'm like, I'm literally not even asking for this. It's just kind of happening and it's leading me. And it's like, it's so cool, dude. Cause I'm not trying anymore. <laughs> Did, uh, did you ever discuss this kind of stuff before with your wife or was it kind of like, Oh, we both understand this freedom thing. Um, like, did you guys ever 
Did you ever say, ah, I don't know. Yeah, dude, it's hard to, it was hard for me to like explain to her, hey, I'm free. (laughs) When she's like, well, I thought you were free. (laughs) I'm like, well, yeah, but like now I'm really free and I can't explain it to you. So like that was like weird because I'm like, well, like (laughs) I know, I know like what we thought. And I was like, but I said, this is different because like I'm not fearful that I'll explain it like this, man. Uh, sin is a circle and I am a triangle now. Oh, wow. <laughs> like, okay. Um, and so, and like, bro, everything I'm about to be saying, this is just four weeks old stuff. So if I'm saying something that's like, uh, I don't know, buddy, I don't, I haven't run this by a lot of people <laughs> yet. <laughs> so you're totally cool to like, call me out and be like, well, man, let's say that better. But, um, like those things that aren't pure, uh-huh. that we would consider not to be pure. I am pure. And like, I know that sounds like totally crazy, but I'm like, this thing's hitting me as far as like, this is who I am. I am pure. And so the idea of going to something that's not pure is it's like changed the way I've even seen it. Cause I'm like, I can't do that. That's not me. I am pure. And so just in the four weeks that I've been like believing this way, I just know that God's put such grace on it. Cause like there's such empowerment and such like this, like I am not the old thing. Why do I have to carry around the stain of what was and now let it determine I am the sin that I used to give myself to has zero right to now dictate to me for the rest of my life that I still am that thing. And I'm like, <laughs> it's just crazy, dude. Cause I'm like, I have to tell people about this. And it's not even like, like, dude, I'm just looking at people differently. It's like, this is who they are. Even before they've come to him, they've just been alienated in their minds from seeing him. But this is how he sees them. Because yet while we were sinners, Christ died. He saw this from the beginning, dude. And so he was like, I want to get that back, that identity that Adam lost. I want to get it back so they can see themselves the way I see them. You know what was foreign to you when you were in the flesh? Righteousness. Mm -hmm. Righteousness was foreign to you when you were in the flesh. So much so that you would stand up in front of people and you were preaching. But you're preaching, you were in the flesh and it was actually about you. 100%. It was about you being up front. It was about you, is about you getting the attention, even though you're doing this thing that on its surface looks righteous. Yeah. But righteousness was foreign to you because you were in the flesh. Now that you're in the spirit, you know what's foreign to you? Sin, bro. I'm an, sin, dude. I'm in another country, bro. Like, <laughs> like I'm in this world. But I'm not of it. And bro, how could I give myself to something that I'm not? And that's the way that I'm seeing it now. It's like, it's not that like, oh, dude, you're always going to be this way. You're always going to be that way. Like, dude, if you believe that, that's absolutely what you're going to have. Like, you're not going to live up to a higher revelation than you believe. So like, yeah, that's going to make sense. Like that old heart, that was what Adam had that moment that he sinned. And that's what taught Mm. us how to see ourselves. Because, like, God showed up in the garden the same day that Adam sinned to Mm. go and do the thing that they always did with each other, which was to go and walk in the cool of the morning, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I'm under the impression God's, like, rolling up in the garden, literally not seeing Adam any different than he'd always seen him. Because he's like, Adam, where are you at, man? Like, let's go. And then Adam hides himself from God in his presence and is like, I hid from you because I was naked. Right. Bro, <laughs> like Satan never told Adam he was naked. Hmm. Adam's eyes were opened. Adam did not see himself the way God saw him anymore. He got his eyes off of God and onto himself and realized he was naked. So then God right. says, who told you you were naked? Right. And like the way I take that is who told you you were that thing that you think you are? I didn't see that in you. I didn't put that on you. So why are you accepting what it is that the liar said to you and now believing that that's who you are? 
And so like had Adam eaten the tree of life, he would have lived forever because anything that must be born again must first die, bro. That thing that dies is us. <laughs> we go under the water and we now come up a new creation in Christ Jesus. But if he would have never left the garden and he would have eaten the tree, that identity could have never died off of us. We would have been hmm. stuck in it forever because if he would have had the tree of life, never been able to die, we've got a broken identity for the rest of time. And so I'm like, God didn't even see Adam differently. And yet Adam is standing right next to God and can't see him. He has to hide his face from him. So yet while we were sinners, Christ died because he saw who we were for the whole time. So like, I just refuse to believe the lies that the old heart taught me and try and apply it to the new heart. Because bro, all Satan wants to do is try and resurrect the dead man and he has no power. That's powerful, bro. Yeah. So as you're walking in this thing, this thing is crockpotting. <laughs> I like the way you talk yeah. about it. Yeah. And then this thing's kind of taking over your heart and your life. What has been happening? Uh, I just, I refuse to believe anything else than what he says about me. And, and when I say believe, I've been renewing my mind to what it is he believes. I've been, my faith is, look, this is how you see me. We receive these things by faith. Um, and since then, dude, like, I've probably talked to 100 people because I'm like, this is this is crazy. I have to tell people about it. <laughs> like, take the trying out of it, bro. We've tried for a really long time. If Paul was the chief of sinners, I was the chief of triers, bro. I promise you. <laughs> like, I was trying really hard. And like... We don't have to try. You just accept what it is that he sees in you and then just go and be, bro. I'm like walking up to people in my, in my grocery stores that I go to, like my store manager. And I'm like, he followed me around for like eight or nine minutes in the store, just talking to me. And I was just like, dude, when do I get to tell you about the gospel that brings freedom in your life? <laughs> like, he's like, well, uh, come again? What did what, you say? Yeah, he's like, what? And um, I was like, I looked and I'm like, Jesus, bro, when do I get to tell you about Jesus? And he's like, He's like, oh, bro, you know, I've been to church a couple of times, but I'm not really sure. And I'm like, I was like, okay, cool, man. I was like, well, do you know that Jesus didn't just come to forgive you, but he came to like clean you, bro, and sanctify you and like this kind of stuff. I didn't use the word sanctify. I said clean you. Um, and he looks at me and he's like, okay, well, yeah, but I like looking at girls' butts. That was what he said <laughs> to me. And I'm like, I just get real close to him in the store and I'm like, that's not who you are, man. <laughs> like that. Because not only am I seeing myself the way I believe God sees us, but bro, I can't see anybody else because we're, we're to regard no man after the flesh. Mm. And so if they're not walking in the spirit, like how else am I supposed to see them? If I'm not supposed to see them by the flesh, am I just supposed to pretend they're not there? <laughs> like, right. nah, dude. I'm going to see him by the spirit. So I'm like pushing on his spirit by telling him, I was like, that's not who you are. And he looks at me and he's like, got this puzzled look on his face. And he's like, okay, well then who am I? <laughs> like that. The million dollar question. And I looked at him and I was like, bro, you are pure, holy and blameless before God. And he looks at me. He's just like, I don't know what I'm going to do with that. And I was like, that's okay, man. I was like, and so then he tries to tell me the next thing that he thinks he is because I realize, bro, like we're not talking when, when we're having these conversations with people or what I've noticed is like, I'm not talking to a demon. I'm not talking to like the devil. I'm talking to their old man, bro. I'm talking to the flesh that's on the inside of them going, tell them who you are. Tell them who we think you are. And so when I'm telling you, you're pure. And your first reaction is to tense up and go, no, dude, I like doing this. I like doing that. I'm like, right. I see that for what it is, bro. Like, I got a pretty good, like, view now. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, ah, that's the flesh. I'm like, in my mind, I'm not telling them this, but I'm like, in my mind, I'm thinking, that's the flesh in you, bro. And I'm, I'm trying to, like, call you into who you are. And, like, it's bearing witness in their heart because as I'm pushing on their spirit, their flesh is going, tell them who you are. And so I say, you're pure, holy, and blameless. He says, I don't know what to do with that. And I'm like, that's all right, man. I was like, and I just kind of said, there's an identity in Christ waiting for you. That's going to show you who you are completely. 
And I was like, but whenever you decide that you want this thing, man, you let me know. And he's like, um, he's like, oh yeah, dude, like sprinkle me with some water. And I was like, no, nah, dude, I'm going to put you under the water and that old way of thinking and seeing yourself is going to die. And then you're going to come up a new creation in Christ Jesus. And he's just like, just like sitting there like stunned. And then I'm like, all right, peace out, my dude. I'm going to get out of here. <laughs> like, well, but like, this is just like, it was crazy. We just had this moment and I've seen him like two or three times since then. And like, I walk into the grocery, just like smiling real big. And I'm like, what's up, man? Cause I'm not like, I, I don't really care what he thinks. Cause it's not even him thinking it. It's the flesh in him trying to take control. Like I'm calling to his spirit. So I don't care if his flesh feels uncomfortable when I'm in the room, <laughs> you know what I mean? But For at the sure. same time, he's still coming up and talking to me. So it's like, well, like <laughs> this is, this just feels so amazing, man. Cause there's zero try. It's just believe. And in the believing, it's just like changed the way that I'm seeing everything. And so I'm not, I'm not trying to be loved. I'm not trying to be pure. I just believe that I am. And it's like, it's just been so freeing, man. I'm sure I've said this before on the podcast. Like, there's this, <laughs> this the Kobe Bryant commercial where he's talking to Kanye West, and uh, Kanye's like, "I've done this, I've done that, I've done this. What do you want from me, Kobe Bryant?" And Kobe's like, "More records, yeah, more this, more that." <laughs> and that's what our life is like now. Like, oh, you're free. Well, what happens now? More love, more lives changed, yeah. more interactions in the grocery store. You like people just see you and, and it just, it's just coming out of you. Now, Braden, you just like its fingers are snapped and you don't have like the way we put this th thing on and understand it is that you believe that you are and you're just standing and rooted in that truth. And that's like knowing him is what changes you. 100% man. 100%. And like my times with him, I've just been like so much fun, dude. Cause like I would have times where I would go and like pray and that kind of stuff and have time where I spent with God and I'd have to get out of my flesh, dude. I can't even, I can't even wrap my head around <laughs> like that idea anymore, but like get out of my flesh, get out of the way. Um, prepare your heart, all those things that I've heard said. And I'm like, I can go and pray and have a good time with God. But now it's like, dude, I'm just like in and out of relationship with in and out. I'm I'm with him constantly, but with the way I'm interacting with him in and throughout the day, it's like, it's just so much more fun. Cause I don't believe I'm ever in the flesh. Now I'm in the spirit. So the flesh has no place. It's dead. So just like that belief that was literally that was a four year journey. So if you're listening and you've been on this real long journey of trying and trying and trying, like stop trying. <laughs> Your trying's not gonna help you. It just becomes like like what is it? Um works. Like that's all it's becoming. And works out of the wrong identity are like filthy rags in the nostrils of God, right? Like the self righteousness, trying to make yourself the thing that he already sees you as. Hmm. Um it's just like, that's not what he's into. He wants to see, you know, like, no, you are what he says you are. And then go and let him produce the things in you because it's not, it's not a trying game. And, um, it just, it's so cool, man. I, I'm just so happy about it. But So this is how I end all my podcasts. I ask a question and we're going to go back into a period of time and you get to talk to old Braden. And I think we're going back to 18-year-old Braden, who's struggling, who's making mistakes, doesn't want to make mistakes, but is still making them, is racked with guilt, condemnation, and shame, is in love with this girl, but doesn't love the way he's acting. If you get a chance to pull that dude to the side and speak life over him, what would you tell that dude? My guy. <laughs> uh buy a ton of dogecoin <laughs> no no <laughs> uh bitcoin don't not not dogecoin oh that's right uh, but yeah okay. no no. <laughs> no seriously what would you so say around that dude you are already pure you are already holy and blameless before god you have a clean heart 
and you do not have to try anymore, man. It is literally what it is that you read in the Bible. It is like holding up a mirror. You are those things. So don't walk away of the mirror and forget what you look like. Like that's what it's saying. So those are the things that you already are and just believe it because it's really fun. <laughs> I love it, bro. I love your energy, man. And it's not going to stop. Yeah. <laughs> so, man, thanks for, for sharing, bro. I appreciate you. Right on, man. I appreciate the time. And yep. honestly, all the stuff you guys do, this is amazing. Praise the Lord, brother. Got me singing like glory. Yeah, it got me telling my story. Know that your love is pouring on me. And love is pouring on me. River flowing in and never ends. More than life, more than me, more than just pretend. And you can feel the freedom from within. Free to fly, be the child that you always been. Thank you so much for listening to the show today. We would love it if you could share this so that people could hear uh, more of these stories. And a way you can do that is to rate us on Apple Podcasts. Give us a high rating. If, if you give us less than a five star, I'm inclined to believe that you're not really rocking with us. So give us a five star rating and, and throw a comment in there. If you're going to talk about us on social media, go ahead and use the hashtag death to life. And let's get that hashtag going. This podcast is a production of Love Reality. And if you want more information about Love Reality, go ahead and check us out at lovereality.org. This show's produced by Tyler Morrison and Katie Prusha. The sound and editing is done by Addison Collingsworth and Eddie Cornejo. And then the Johnny on the spot is Annabelle Harper. And the artwork is done by Felix Gassman. Thank you so much for listening. Love y'all. Appreciate y'all. Thank you.